Tuna Quest episode 175. I'm your tired host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Cool baby family computer system, David McBurney, family minister. Nice. And your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaijin Monogatari. Uh, and we're all alive, seemingly. Yay. Can't prove that, but seemingly. Are you alive, please? Mostly. <laughs> I just... I'd like no. Ah, <laughs> oh, we hardly know you. But we've got good news this week. Good things happened in terms of things being announced. Yes. Mm-hmm. And things coming out, too. Yeah. Crystal Chronicles. Crystal Chronicles, uh, Moon Remix RPG Adventure. Mm-hmm. It's finally in English. It came out today. Yep. Yeah. Or last yeah. night for me. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had a chance to dig into it yet. I'll fight you. Um, but, yeah. So, a lot, lot of exciting things. Wheels is seemingly setting up an emulator. Uh <laughs> So, and we also got a very a very pleasing announcement out of nowhere a couple of days ago. It's true. Something near and dear to all our hearts. Yes, the games that got me into games. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, Those, two two of the games that got me into games. And One mediocre third game that we will not care too much about. Mm. But for those who haven't listened to much of this podcast, we are speaking of Collection of Saga Final Fantasy Legend. Yes. Which uh, was announced at a like random shadow dropped uh, Nintendo Partner Direct. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, which disappointed mm-hmm. everyone except me, for whom it seems to have been aimed entirely at. <laughs> because it contained information on Collection of Saga, a switch update of a couple of Taiko no Tatsujin games and a Kingdom Hearts uh, rhythm game, so... Yeah, that had a very interesting combination of news, didn't it? Listen, it's all for me. I'm sorry that they didn't do it for anyone else, but I appreciated it. I appreciated it. I'll even be able to talk about these Taiko no Tatsujin games because they have an RPG mode that's probably quite gimmicky, but it means I'm allowed to. But Collection of Saga Final Fantasy Legend featuring the first the Game Boy versions of the first three final, uh, Saga games. Uh, it seems to include them in both English and Japanese in uh, both regions. It's preloadable now. Uh, it amusingly has like in order to preserve the resolution, it has a. Uh, it has like a weird border that looks like a game system around the graphics, but for some reason that border looks nothing like a Game Boy. <laughs> like not even slightly. It's incredible. It looks more like a Neo Geo Pocket Color or something. It's very strange. Mm. But they, uh, it's it's the first three games. They are packaged together for twenty bucks. They have some sort of quality of life updates. The only ones we know of which being the ability to play the game at triple speed, which is probably fair. The games are a little pokey. But... Yeah. Oh, we also play Metal Max. Yes. Uh-huh. 
But yeah, so you know, very very uh, cause for celebration. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, I'll finally have the excuse to dig into Legends two and three. I've played a fair bit of Legend one, but yeah, yeah. And so. I'm just I'm just kind of curious since uh, after Collection of Mana they actually released a remake of um, Trials of Mana. Are they going to release the DS remakes of two and three? That would be nice, wouldn't it? Oh yes, it would. Hell, I know throw it's in one the, person on our Facebook the page very remake disappointed. Of, throw in the Wonder Swan remake of Saga One. Yes, please. Sure. It's a very nice update of one. It's very pretty. It's uh, built essentially to the same spec as like the Final Fantasy One remake. So, awesome. very, very pleasant sort of uh, update. Uh, hopefully, they'll include for for new players some sort of like. In terms of quality of life updates that I think they could make, just just give players some sort of like reference chart for how monster growth works. Yeah. But they, who knows? Who knows? We'll see what happens. I mean, unless they've changed a lot of the of the of the engines under Final Fantasy Legion Two, that's not going to help much. Yeah. Just because yeah. I mean, the uh, monster transformation system in that one was slightly a mess. Yeah, I, as far as I can tell, it looks like they've changed nothing under the hood. There's been no revi- revisions to the translation, certainly, at least. So, yeah. So I mean, one of the bigger things for the DS remake of 2 was that they did actually overhaul the monster transformations and include an index to let you know what was going to change into what if you already had some experience. Mm-hmm. I would like those those remakes to be released and properly in English, but I do admit that I don't begrudge them making sure that the original versions are still available. I consider those original versions very important, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that those will continue... Those will be re-available. Those will be available again, uh, which they... I think Final Fantasy Legend 1 might have been on the 3DS Game Boy eShop uh, Virtual Console. But I think that would have been the only one, if any... Uh, let's see. But yeah. Uh, very, very glad to see those return on a modern console. Hmm. About damn time. Saga. Remember that time that Sunsoft put out reprints of the uh, Final Fantasy Legend games in the U.S.? I do. I think my copy of three may even be the suns- one of the Sunsoft copies. I have like a million questions about how or why that business deal happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. As so, do I. Like, why? How and why? And like, why was... Yeah, there's, there's just a million questions and no answers. Uh, Wheels is being resurrected with an electric shock. But yeah, uh, two very good games that are still very intriguing and set the course for a franchise that is ongoing to this day, and one game that is uh, disappointing if you are looking for a saga game. Yes. Yeah, I that's, mean that's the polite answer. Wheels, how many times did either of us get into arguments with Mac over which was the better Legend game? Often. <laughs> yeah. 
mainly because his criteria was which one is more like Final Fantasy. Yes. Well, that's the reason I always wanted three because it was more like Final Fantasy, and then when I got it, it was just this is boring. Can't believe it's I, I know, so boring. I know I, I know I did an editorial to that effect. It may have been part of something else. Um, but yeah, that was my conclusion too. It was like, oh, I was really excited with Final Fantasy Legend 3 at first, and I was enjoying it, and then by the end I was realizing I was basically flying the talent around trolling for the exact same battle over and over again because it had the most experience. Um, I love because grinding. grinding at the end was really awful. Well, see, you did better than me because I never made it to the end. <laughs> I was yeah. just like, yeah, I'm going to go play one or two again. Now an entire generation those. of old grognards that want to play old Game Boy games can all have this debate again. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yep. But so, yes, yeah. for the record, Saga 3, or Legend 3, was not made by the same group. It was made by the studio that made Mystic Quest. Yeah, it's like Mystic Quest Zero, and then they made something after Mystic Quest. I It's like Treasure of the Rudras, I think. Hmm. And I, I think Kawazu was involved with Rudras as well. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. That I game's mean, that's... got some weird mechanics. Oh, uh, and... uh, the, the speak and spell. Yeah. Yeah. The untranslatable mechanic. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Mystic Quest is actually a good game. Like, oh, yeah, it's like just kind of basic. Yeah. yeah. It's based, simple, fun, short. My, As my a little really brother hilarious underflow bug. Yes. My little brother managed to beat it in a week, and he was seven at the time. Nice. It, it did exactly what it was supposed to. The fact that what it was supposed to do was deeply insulting is a different thing, but... <laughs> it Again, it has one of my favorite underflow bugs ever, which is that the protagonist's heal spell... Or I guess it's an overflow bug. The protagonist's heal spell will uh, heal the final boss so hard that it will hurt him very badly. Uh, but... The, prote- the companion you have for the last dungeon, her heal spell is so strong that it will overflow twice and actually heal the final boss. So that's good. Into that. But, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if you feel any sort of loyalty to our opinions on this podcast or just want to check out what we've been yelling about, uh, yeah, that's 20 bucks, and I think it comes out in, like, December. So. And it's already preloadable. Very strange. Yeah. But, totally unexpected. Yeah, just just out of nowhere. And also, in November, there's a Kingdom Hearts uh, theater rhythm game that's not called theater rhythm, but it sure looks like a theater rhythm game, so yeah. I'm going to be happy. <laughs> I'm here for it. So yeah, uh, that's that's the news. That's the good news. Yes. Uh, oh, also, Crystal Chronicles is out. Yeah, Crystal Chronicles remastered, and they have made many a baffling decision with it, but it's still Crystal Chronicles. Yes. Well, I don't think I would say many a baffling decision. It's mostly fine. Uh, there's just one real baffling decision, and that's uh, when you do a dungeon together with people online. Only one. Only the host gets the actual progression, as in, like, the drop of mirror that lets you continue the story. Yeah. Which that is made sense strange. on the GameCube. Right. Because on the GameCube, 
you weren't going to play it by yourself. You were going to have a consistent group of people. Yeah. Uh, I'm holding out hope that they are eventually going to fix that because that's yeah. kind of stupid. <laughs> Other than that, like it's uh, I played some online today. It worked fine. It's a fine port. It looks nice. The music is as awesome as uh, I remembered. As it's, it's always been. Yeah, it's just a fun, fun game. Um, uh, I know people are complaining about the lack of local co-op. Um, I never honestly expected local co-op because that that's the whole I think reason. that was I think their compromise on that was that you like that was the reason that it was crossplay with everything. Yeah. I, I they they should just say yeah, the reason the multiplayer in the original game was so weird using a bunch of Game Boys was because it kept a bunch of menus off of one screen. To I was keep gonna the say the Game Boys were effectively going. a controller, right? Yeah, yeah. That was the that was the way you played the game. You played it on the Game Boy Advance, yeah. and so, you had like your own little menus and shit. So there's no real way to reproduce that that doesn't screw that up. Uh, the only complaint I would have about that is I would like like local wireless co-op for like Switch, and maybe yeah. I can understand well. why that wouldn't be pop, that would be a te- a Herculean technical task, right? But it would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice, but you know, you can still get people all together in one room and actually play it via online, which is annoying. But you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, the. Can you tell me, have you heard anything about the like friend code system that they seem to have employed with this? Yeah. Because that's the really baffling choice. It's not, uh, People seem a bit confused. It's really not baffling in the slightest. Okay. Uh, you get you have like your, a friend code in the game, and yeah. you can give send that to somebody else. It's it's just like the old like Nintendo friend codes. You both and. Enter in each other's friend codes, and then you're friends, and then you can send in invites to each other, and, and that's kind of yeah. I think it. the thing that confused people is that it seems to generate a new friend code like every so often, which caused people to think that there was more to it than there was. No, I, I'm not really sure what the deal with that is because you also have like a permanent friend code. I guess the idea is that, like, maybe the temporary friend code you can send to someone that you don't necessarily want to be friends with. <laughs> it could be, but it's it's weird, but it it works fine. It's it's very simple. It just confuses the issue when people yeah. are not quite sure how it works. So it's more of an acquaintance code. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it works works fine once you have that. You when you're creating a game, you can send invites right to your friends. Makes it very. Very easy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, it's the the only major, the only complaint that uh, is really an annoyance is the whole only the host gets the mirror, which I mean, it can be a grindy game anyway. So, you know, redoing dungeons a few times is necessarily the worst thing in the world. It's it, it but it is kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 a fine port. Otherwise, and they added in some DLC. You can 
make your character look like some of the characters from other games in the series, including the main character of Crystal Bears. Oh, hell yeah. The most underrated game in that series, so... Wow. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. I grabbed it on Switch. I may grab the PS4 version as well, because you can move your save file between both. That's good, that's good. I'll pick it up when I can afford it. Uh... Oh, and... um, Yeah, I was... I'd tell you, but the the light version, which is available on all the platforms, um, I haven't been able to find that. I was looking for it on the eShop. I think, it, I think they marked it as a demo or something. Oh uh, yeah, maybe I'll have to look. But it should be there, and that lets I, I don't remember what all the restrictions are to it, but um, I think it, if. I think you can, using that, you can have one person buy the main game and then pretty much play through all the dungeons which other, with other people with the light version. So Yeah, I think the only things you can't do in the light version is play the bonus dungeons, which, yeah. not going to lie, not interested in person. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's, uh, that's good to see that finally uh, show up. Yeah, so I, I re- recommend ignoring the whining. Not that with in the age of the internet, you know, people whine about uh, pretty much anything. But there's a lot of whining out there, and uh, I recommend digging through that because it's mostly a, a perfectly fine port. And if you were going to play it single player anyway, then it's absolutely perfect. But you should probably play it with friends. It's more fun. No, absolutely. And if you only want to occasionally play with friends, you know, that it's, you probably won't have any complaints whatsoever. It's, yeah, it, it's an, and if you've never played it at all, um, just realize that it is a bit of a weird game. <laughs> it does involve Colossus. Can't believe it. <laughs> um, Can't believe it. But I, I think, I think it gets around a lot of the just boring nonsense that like a lot of Diablo clones fall into. And because there's no real like quote unquote leveling, it's it's easier to mix like a group of people um, at different parts of the game and still have a, a a fine time without like you know somebody coming in with a massively overpowered character and just destroying everything. Oh, that's always miserable. Yeah. Why am I even here at the game? <laughs> so yeah, check it out. There's, you can use the light version as a demo if you're curious. Yeah, it's a good game. And um, I also picked up Moon, although I haven't fired it up yet, so we'll see. Nor have I. We're all ruined. But I've also been playing some Grandia. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> uh, kind of wanted like a throwback-ish... 90-ish RPG, and it was kind of between that and Skies of Arcadia, and the one on the portable one out, obviously. <laughs> Can't believe this happened. Yes, and man, is the game charming as fuck. <laughs> I love it. So how far have you had ta- time to get in? Uh, not very far. I'm just in like the first so. dungeon ruin area. Uh, the salt ruins? Yep. So just had gotten to mess around with the battle system a slight bit and met the two the first two characters and whatnot 
Uh, Justin and Sue. Yep. <laughs> it's but yeah, it's extremely charming. Yeah, yeah, it's and a game. Yeah, it's a game was. about adventure. Yeah. No, and it, it kind of feels mm-hmm. out of its time too. Like I, it, it obviously this is it's an like update. a 1998 game. It was a little late to be doing that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, obviously it's an updated port, but it just feels very nice and looks looks nice for a game that originally was on Saturn and PS1. Yeah, yeah, it was a. Uh... It was always using kind of a uh, an art style that I remember being not super impressed with at the time because it's like this isn't all 3D. This isn't all 3D at all. But uh, the the sprite work is really expressive and beautiful, and the 3D backgrounds are generally like constructed in such a way that they look quite. They they look pretty good now, yeah. Especially a lot of its contemporaries that tried to go for full three D backgrounds and produced a lot of uh, confused geometry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the music so. is fantastic. Oh man, I I like the Grandia theme in general. But yeah, uh... and, and it certainly has an interesting cast of characters throughout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get ready for quite a few people to cycle in and out. Yeah. I will be watching your progress with interest. <laughs> well, I already met the uh the female generals, which are kind of funny. Yeah, they are very uh, the... late nineties animal. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say Magic Knights Ray Earth reimagined as Dominatrixes. <laughs> yeah, I believe kinda... Yeah, that's about that, right. That is almost exactly how they are. That was, that was very much the... Like, the color coding is really what throws you. It's like, oh, you really were just going for this. <laughs> that and the entire scene that you may accidentally witness if you're crawling through the air ventilation and peek in on their um, changing area. I think that scene might be required. Might be required, but I, I still think You need to get, like, a door from... code or something. I remember like 20 years ago thinking, okay, somebody actually did the sprite work to simulate someone pulling on a thong. Awesome. <laughs> Sometimes you've got you to keep the spriters busy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So that, that game, uh, my love for it is well documented. I'm not sure if that's uh, when that backtrack might have gone up or not. It's up. I listened to a bit of it. Yeah, uh, I just sort of shout over everyone for like an hour. <laughs> but yeah, that is that is a game I can essentially just play endlessly and never get tired of. So. Nice. Oh, and I, and funny enough, I went into a retro shop soon after I started playing that and came upon a copy of three. So that is with a, that at some point. That is a game that is not nearly as good. <laughs> Yeah, I wish like it's you can kind of see what they were going for, and it just doesn't really come together. It took me like ten hours to realize that that one character was the main character's mother, not his big sister. It's so weird. Like he just calls her by her first name, and she which just is looks like actually, a sister. People, which is not actually that strange for Japanese children, but still. Yeah. 
It's but given how she looks and the fact that everyone just sort of like there's a joke early on about the fact that it's like she just sort of looks like your older sister. I'm confused, and it's like it's like the writers knew that she just sort of looked like his older sister. She does, and it's not, not clear why they enough. didn't just have her be his older sister. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, really. I mean, writing-wise, it would have made more sense that way. Quite a bit more sense. Uh, I mean, that's hardly the game's biggest writing fumble. It's hardly even close to it. Like, the writing is really what left Grandia three down. It it looks pretty. It looks real good. It has a really nice evolution of the battle system. But I mean, it's just imagine Grandia one without any of the charm. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, that's that's a shame. That's a, that's a real shame. So, yeah. What about Grandia Extreme? Grandia Extreme has even worse writing than 3, but way less emphasis on it. Sweet. Grandia Extreme is just... Play the dungeons. Just play some dungeons. You want to do dungeons? Here's some dungeons. Cool. Run through them again. Run them over and over. Have fun with the battle system. Have you considered Mana Egg Evolution? <laughs> that I... Oh, man. That's that's one of the things that's always, like... Mana Eggs are in all of, all of the Grandia games, and they have never functioned the same way twice. <laughs> I was going to say, you really should try Parallel Trippers sometime to just see how weird it can get. I've played a bit of Parallel Trippers, but not enough. I was going to say, no mana eggs in that one. Yeah, I, I'm letting that one slide as, like, not a main game. It wasn't developed by Game Arts. Oh, it is uh, so definitely not a main game. No, or yeah. And even uh, it would be something like it, no. Yeah. And then, of course, there's Digital Museum, which is just using a bunch of uh, Grandia art assets to gussy up, like a reward system to get, like, concept art and such. <laughs> and, like, I mean, that, as far as that kind of fan disc content goes, I think Digital Museum is probably the most fun you were going to have with that. Like, it's an excuse to play the cool Grandia battle system for 15 hours doing some new, unique dungeons and boss encounters, and you get rewards with, rewarded with content, concept art for doing it. So, there are worse things. Yeah. Certainly, again, I, I will never stop making fun of, like, Xenosaga freaks. I would much rather play it than something like that. <laughs> Man. No words for that. Uh, but, yeah. So, Grandia. Love it. Ready to listen to Wheels play all of it and then have long discussions about how it has lived in my brain for... Uh, about 22 years now. <laughs> I still need to play Grandia 2 sometime. That's good. It's a very good game. It's the only one of two Dreamcast games I finished. What's the other one? Sonic Adventure. I was hoping you were going to say Evolution. Oh, God, no. Remember when they ported the first two Evolution games to GameCube? Uh... And by first two, I mean only two? <laughs> They were made by that. Sting. You love Sting. Uh, 
It has its limits. <laughs> Evolution, the world of sacred device. Mm. Localized by Ubisoft for reasons I am not quite able to fathom. Yeah. You don't you don't want to talk more about the uh the life and times of Mag Launcher. No, I barely remember those games. I just remember trying one and being like, This is not good. They aren't. They're bad. Uh I haven't played enough evolution to really pass judgment on it. I've only I know its reputation better than I know the game. So if someone likes evolution, I apologize. Hmm. I don't. <laughs> I know Wheels doesn't. We've already asked Wheels. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on. Uh, so we know what Wheels has been playing. Gaijin, what you been up to? What you been playing? Well, um, for today, um, I've been playing the game that neither of you have started yet. Moon? Yeah! Yeah! How's that been going? <laughs> I'm I'm just amazed. After eight years, I can still remember how to find some of these monster souls. <laughs> I saw that the Onion Games Twitter, like right after the game came out, tweeted out like, "Hey, please also look at the manual, which we put a scan of up on our website." It does. I was gonna say I was talking with Nixon. She was getting really confused at times, and I'm like, "Yeah, when I played it, I actually had a physical manual to deal with." Um, I'm happy that they are trying to make that more publicly available yeah let me pull this up to like check because i know that they tweeted about it uh okay purchase name on the eShop. okay retweeting a bunch of fan art unsurprisingly uh discord Okay, since this is your first time with Moon RPG, we have a strange request. Please read the manual. Moon is a game from a different time when the manuals mattered. This will make your journey much happier and more productive. Download and read the manual here at moonrpg.com slash en slash 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 manual. You know, whatever. But yeah, they have a PDF seemingly of a translated version of the manual. Nice. So, you can get a bit. It's probably useful to have that information uh, rattling around in your brain somewhere before you uh, before you start playing. Who did uh, the translation of Moon? It was Tim Rogers. He also did the Dandy, Dun- Dandy Dungeon one. Okay. I was gonna say I saw him credited um, on Twitter. Yeah. It was mentioned a while ago, basically when the game was first announced for English release. The Onion Games Twitter mentioned that it was going to be Tim Rogers translating it. Tim Rogers is great. As long as I don't have to read his long-form uh, writing, I agree. <laughs> I prefer listening. Like the, what? The, what? The first time I was introduced to him was his Dragon Quest Eleven review. Yeah, yeah. Just a good thing. Yes. And uh, was like forty minutes long, I think. <laughs> yeah. I just I just have the battle star- scars of the era of big old scare quotes here, new games journalism. Oh dear. So but yeah. So uh, I'll curious, what's what's wrong with his long form writing? 
Uh, he needs an editor, like bad. <laughs> uh, the sort of person who will like start on, will like have like a the premise laid out in their in the byline, and then like fifteen paragraphs in, you realize they haven't actually reached it yet. They just sort of oh, talked wow. about something else for all that time and are slowly, maybe eventually going to lead into it. Like that's kind of the issue. So um, you mean the kind of review writer who makes me look concise? Yeah. Yeah. Very. Uh, that's not a good thing. Okay. Yeah. He's, he seems to be quite good at like translating where he's just taking someone else's work and not necessarily like trying to expand on it, but just trying to convey it. Uh, so that, that'll give I, him. I was going to say, yeah. Working with Moon, it's much less translation and more um, interpretation of how ridiculous the creators wanted things to get. Yeah, he seems to be personal friends with the creator, which gives like an important insight into how you would successfully translate something like Moon. So, yeah, so there we are. Uh, yeah, definitely look up the manual. Uh, it's linked to from the Onion Games website, and it's linked to from their Twitter. So, check those out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the most exposure this is going to get is places like this, and the fact that the creator of Undertale retweeted that the game had come out and like emphasized that the game had been an influence on him. So, oh, it's going to sell a lot for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's that's basically the the best uh, the best that can be done for its marketing. So, yeah, it's nice to see a game after all these years that like is this that is still this unique and weird and out there uh, actually come out officially in English and be something that you can purchase and support the original developer on Love to Leak may have died but the people who worked on it will at least get something out of this Onward to people requesting UFO a day a day in the life and LOL lack of love. Yeah. And then we can all start worrying about whether someone's ever going to try to translate Gift Pia. Remember Gift Pia? Probably shouldn't. <laughs> or Indonesia. Oh man. Gift Pia is always the one that sticks out to me because there was one E3 where Nintendo was like all gung ho that they were going to release that in English, and then it was never spoken of again. Uh, but imagine instead of people being very sad that uh, Chibi Robo died a horrifying slow death, we could have instead had people being sad that there was never a Gift Pia too. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, listen. I just I just like talking about the weird, ex- like explosion of love to leak into like five different companies. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of love to spread. Yeah, and uh, it's hard to decide which one of them's output was weirdest. <laughs> it's. Uh... It's not really something you can competitively measure. Yeah. It is weak. I want to say that... Uh, is it... Uh, yeah, Punchline also split off from them, and they are most known for one of the most expensive English PS2 games ever, Rule of Rose, as well as the PS2 kissing adventure RPG, Chulip. Huh. <laughs> 
Like, True Life is interesting because it's not a dating sim. Like, this is not a game about, like... Like, it is about how your character wants to kiss someone in particular, but in order to do that, they have to kiss everyone else. And by everyone else, I mean, like, sewer-dwelling mutants and Godzillas and shit. <laughs> what the hell? Yes. If you've never seen True Lip, I recommend you go look it up a bit and just sort of bask in how bizarre it is. It got officially localized. It was sold at, like, only at GameStops for some reason. Weird. Uh, it's actually on. It is actually on PSN on for the PS3 as a PS2 classic, which is probably the best way to get hold of it at this stage. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it is from a former. It was from a former Love to Leak employee, and it is utterly baffling. And worth experiencing at least once. Sometimes you'll, like, a lot of that game is going to be rooting through trash to find, like, potatoes and such to restore your life, but then sometimes you'll dig in the trash and you'll just find poop and lose life, so... That's kind of the, the tulip experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, in conclusion, love to leak. Please, please more companies that are as weird and uh, essentially incomparable is how I would describe them. I, mean, I always pronounce it as Lovedelic. You're probably more correct, but Lovedelic is how my brain always parses it, so... Just remember, it rhymes with psychedelic. That does make sense. Doesn't it? Yes. But yeah, so it's, it's nice that more of that catalog is appearing in English. Uh... And uh, it's it's nice that, and again, uh, I've been playing. Uh, oh yeah, the name Lovedelic was apparently derived from uh, the founders' love of Yellow Magic Orchestra, specifically an album of theirs called Technodelic. <laughs> For a moment, I thought you were going to say it was derived from his love of mushrooms. Also possible, but less overt. Um, but yeah. Man, Yellow Magic Orchestra, that's real specific. Uh, and it's yeah. so in character. <laughs> but yeah, so... Yeah, uh, as, as, as per usual for weird RPG-adjacent experiments, uh, Moon Remix RPG Adventure gets a full-throated recommendation from this podcast. I assume that you're enjoying what you've played again thus far, uh, Gaijin? Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how to actually get some of the scenes I'm remembering right now. <laughs> It'll come back, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like, okay, which day of the week Which day of the week do I need to stay in the castle overnight? Um, okay, which day of the week does the baker stay in the tavern half the night? Things like that. Mm. Mm. Yep. Eight monsters rescued so far. That's good. You're on a good start. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to properly dig into it. I got the message from my Switch that this is this game's available to play now. I was nice. excited, but I couldn't take the time for it at the moment. 
Let's see. Yeah, I think I got that last last night as well, as I was playing Crystal Chronicles instead. Sorry. Shame. Sorry, Moon. Well, at least I can't take it away from you, then. I wonder if that ends up getting a limited run for a physical copy. It seems like the sort of thing Which they one? would try to get. Yeah. Uh, Moon. Yeah. Uh, middle of October in Japan. Ah. Uh, I wonder uh, if anyone eight, tries it in the U.S., I guess. 8,000 yen. That is spendy, but... No, I mean, it's like a deluxe boxed edition. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That has to be, like, a special version. Yeah, I would hope that there's also a boxed copy of the English version to eliminate, to further eliminate chances of it someday disappearing into the ether. Yes, but, uh, please. Yeah, so... Yeah, limited run... I could see them doing that since they just did Grandia. We're still yeah. selling Grandia. I need to decide to order that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it, it seems in their wheelhouse. I would like to see that happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know one of the guys is definitely a big like JRPG fan because they're doing lots of Idea Factory stuff. So. I mean, Moon whatever keeps lights on. Even better. Uh, Much better. <laughs> even better. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's always cool. Uh, meanwhile, I've not. Uh, I've played a bit more Dandy Dungeon, been enjoying just sort of occasionally flipping that on and going through a few floors of Dungeon. Yeah. It's a good uh, ten minutes. I have, I don't have much to do in the moment. Uh, game. Yeah, uh, I mean it's. I mean, for all its, it's pedigree, clearly it originally a DMM, So, it's good for just short bouts of flying and having fun. Yeah. Uh, just, just been very charmed every time I get some more dialogue. Uh, let's see, who was the most? Oh yeah, it was like the. I think the most recent one. To show up in my apartment was like. I forget what this lady was doing. She like talking about eating healthy. It was something like that. Oh yeah, her. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, supplement sales lady. Yeah, yeah, she just showed up. She's fun. Um, Seems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's where I am in Dandy Dandy Dungeon. Uh. So yeah, that's that's what's worth reporting on what I've been playing. Uh, so I guess it's it's uh, time for us to get to some questions. Sure. We got questions from episode one seventy three. Don't want to forget these. Uh, so this one was from uh, from Dog Party. Which mm-hmm. is uh, what are your favorite combat systems of all time? Personal favorites that is. Uh, that is a very broad question. It's a broad question, which is why I needed to think about it, and we didn't answer it last week. And my answer is Grandia, actually. <laughs> Grandia is a good one. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, so I mean, so is Beyond the Labyrinth or Metal Max or several. Not all the sagas, some of them. So Scarlet Grace has a particularly good battle system. Yeah, uh, Resonance of Fate. 
I knew you were going to say that. I freaking knew it. Uh, Valkyrie Profile. <laughs> we all knew it. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy Twelve for me. I, I go up and down on that. I wish I liked it more than I did, but I respect it a lot. <laughs> but, yeah. So Those would probably be my short list. Uh, there's a lot of other ones I really like. And then there's some that it's like combat is so much the game that I don't even think about the combat system separately. Like, I really like a lot of the Kingdom Hearts games, but I mean, like, they're action games as much as they are RPGs to me, so I don't even think about them as having a bespoke combat system. Uh, Yeah, Monster Hunter would fill in that same sort of thing. Yeah, or it's like the combat in this is incredibly good, but it's like the point. They're... There would be no game without the combat system, so it feels like a separate category. <laughs> I know, I mean... Like I said, Metal Max, part of it, I really like the... Just that you set up the um, actions for the turn and let it go kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just... Cool. Yeah, some sometimes the battles just get too busy in some games. That's fair, that's fair. It's all about taste. Uh... See, and I would probably have to think about which variant of the uh, SMT press turn system I like best. Because there's, there's a lot of good versions of that battle system, but none of them like stick out to me. It's like, this is the very best one. I will, however, uh, fight to the death that uh, the some of the weird things that can happen in some of the early ones like the I saw a video of someone playing Nocturne deliberately badly but Mott had infinite turns in that game oh (laughs) it has an ability called like Beast Eye I think Mm -hmm. something like that that just gives it more press turns it's just like, which game was this? Nocturne. Yeah, this was in Nocturne. Of course, it was. Yeah, yeah. it's. They were still working out how the press turn system was going to work in that one. Uh, okay, it's scripted to uh, cast Beast Eye to increase his po- press icon, uh, and then mostly uses Makakaja and Megiddo alone. So it's just, it's just kind of a miserable fight to begin with. But yeah, it can also. If you get really bad RNG, it could just keep using Beast Eye over and over and wasting your time. So. Yeah, that's odd. Devil Survivor is a good battle system. Yeah, yeah. That was interesting to have that uh, mix of the traditional... Uh, turn-based strategy with the SMT-style battle mm. system. Uh, special, like, no prize to Strange Journey for having maybe the worst implementation of this <laughs> battle system. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... The, the option... The ability is co-op attacks. They're kind of weird. They're either really strong or complete garbage. And you kind of have to decide if you're going to build your party around them or just ignore them. Yeah, it's weird. It's a testament to the rest of that game that it's still good, but 
that was not an inspiring implementation of that yeah. battle system. Four is much better. Yeah, yeah. And Apocalypse is much like four. But, yeah, so there's is, a... four is better than Nocturne. There, I said it. Oh man, you went for it. People are about to come knocking at your door in fury. Bring it on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing Nocturne again and seeing how I feel about it 15 years on. Yeah. When it comes out on Switch. Are you going to pick up the Dante DLC? Yeah. Oh, we had somebody really, really pissed off on Facebook about that. Oh, God. What? <laughs> Seriously. Were they angry like, that you have to pay more for him? or? That, oh, I think they were angry because the, like Atlas took him out of the game, and now they're pe- making us pay to have him back. They I'm took like, him out of the game because they don't own him. They're making you pay because they have to pay to get him back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It was like, dude, this remake is based off the Maniacs edition, which didn't have Dante either. The the original, it's, it's based on the Chronicles edition, which is, but yeah, it didn't have Dante in it. Uh, they are, however, like, the, the most fascinating and tragic and not at all surprising is that I think it's like the Korean and Chinese versions don't have Raido, and the, thus the Maniacs content in general is a DLC there. Like, it's either you pay for the Maniacs content and get Dante, or you you don't, and there's none of that in there. Oh. Uh, which is probably to do with uh, the era that Raido hails from, and the implications around that that are uh, still definitely a sore spot in large portions of East Asia. So, so grant, I, the granted, in the first game, Raido was actively working against the military junta at times. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, in context, Raido is less problematic, but when you're just advertising him as being in there and he's just there, it's like, oh, there's there's just too much that needs to be explained about this. Yeah. But, yeah, so there's, uh, so that's, that's, I, I'm excited to play that again and see how I feel about it. But yeah, I think those are, like, short list of favorite battle systems. Uh, if you want to hear more about how much I love the Grandia battle system, go listen to that backtrack where I will shout about it for too long. And everyone else will agree with me because everyone else agrees. That's like the one the one RPG where it's like, I think this game has a really good battle system, and everyone else is like, yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Recommend it. Uh, let's see. Um... Oh, yeah. um, Alliance Alive and the Legacy. There you go. Got to mention those. Oh, yeah. yeah, I need to play those properly. They do have a good battle system, though. They do. Uh, one that I want to call out, uh, not for being super inspiring, it's a good battle system, but it's not in- amazing, but for being very much aware of the limits of interest in its tactical depth is Suicoden 1 and 2. Mm. which is a battle system that immediately understands exactly how much time you want to spend on it. And so everything just moves at a lightning pace once you've decided what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) uh, the, the, The battles in those games almost move too quick. Especially, like, 
it's probably the game that I think mo- best implements like the uh, auto attack option. You have the for some reason it's called free will, and all free will will ever do is cause you to immediately. Uh, all free will ever does is cause you to immediately at- have everyone attack, and everyone will attack at once if they are capable of playing next to each other. Uh, which is something that I don't think I've ever seen another game do, where it's just like, oh, if two attacks can play in parallel, they will. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, so... That, that was one I wanted to give a shout-out. Uh, before... Yeah, just as one that was like, on some level, I appreciate understanding the limits of how interested I am in your battle system. <laughs> see. Also, it looks like uh, Eric would like to briefly join us to shout out uh, to shout out Collection of Saga uh, and or Crystal Chronicles Remastered, which he might end up having a fight about. Uh, we'll uh, see what he, happens. He is not allowed. There is no complaining allowed during Crystal Chronicles week, so he's not allowed to talk about it. Okay. No uh, complaining I'm, I'm allowed. Setting, I'm setting the terms. Thank you. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, so those are a short list for battle systems. Uh, and then we've got a, a nice a nice uh, question that uh, this dovetails into from Kroll. What do you want to see from Shin Megami Tensei Five? Do you like the direction that Apocalypse took from Four? Uh, yeah. I haven't played Apocalypse yet, but um... I have. I liked it. <laughs> but uh, I, th- I think part of what I liked it is, and this is something I've been I, I think about a lot, is that. Uh, so one of the things that seemed clear from the open, from the trailer they released for Shin Megami Tensei Five is that it is, in, it is calling, harkening back to Shin Megami Tensei Three in the way that Four harkened back to One and Two. So I'm not sure how much uh, that there will even be a semblance of. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. Um, I'm not sure how much there will even be influence from Four Apocalypse in Five. Well, Eric's a bit too sleepy to join anyway, so he did leave us with a question that I'll have us answer after this. I don't know how much influence Apocalypse will even have on Five because, again, it seems to be very specifically hearkening to Three as like it's. Uh, point of inspiration but so one thing hopefully that'll mean hopefully that'll mean that the moral moral choices actually have a bigger impact than they did in four I, I wish that they would have a more a less obnoxious impact i liked that apocalypse in response to four made that system essentially like obvious from the get-go what you were choosing to do and why you were doing it there's no uh, arbitrary point system underscoring any part of it in apocalypse it's just the choices you choose to make at the end are the choices that you're making. But, 
think there's like there's also technically a way to end the game early in Apocalypse, but I feel like you would have to be very much not interested in seeing how the plot ends to actually get that ending. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, hey, where do I go in Middle Max Three to save Cola? Uh, you're gonna. You have other things you're gonna have to do first. You should go to the first town that uh, is up at the end of the river first. Oh, well, then yeah. I have wandered way yeah. off course. So. I was going to say, you can only, there's only a small area that you can actually visit at this point. Yeah, so like there's the place. It's either, the, it's either yeah. Crying Mama, the Technopolis, or the town up by the waterfall. Yeah, you want the town up by the waterfall. That's, that's your best first choice. Um, but yeah, um, as for what I would like to see... And this is a contrast to three, which is why I don't think they'll necessarily do it. Uh, Nocturne is a game about the end of humanity that humanity that has almost no human element at all. And I'm not huge on that conceptually. Like Nocturne has human characters, but none of them act like people. Mm. They all exist essentially to espouse a philosophical concept. And that's interesting enough. I find it off-putting, and I don't think it's... I, while I understand that there are people that prefer that, I find it kind of tedious after a while. Because uh, it's just like, there's all of these characters, but none of them is acting in a way that like a human acts. They're all like broadly brought into line with the philosophical reason that they exist to espouse. And like they are an ending function. But, yeah, your yeah. mileage may vary. I liked that Apocalypse was a more human-focused game. Uh, you were sorry so to interrupt. You were saying, Gaijin. Mm. You were no, saying, I, mean, I was just. Um, I mean, I can imagine more humanity, but also just more, um, like I said, more how everything works towards choices. Yeah, uh, I would yeah. like the. I, I would be fine with something less direct than Apocalypse, as long as it's not as opaque as uh, SMT4, which is just kind of badly implemented. It's like the like, only way to get the neutral ending in that one was to go like all full bore on one thing and one side, and then do a complete switch at the critical juncture. You can't go full bore, but you like it. It's easier if you go slightly to one side and then jump ship at the end, because mm -hmm. it's like that last that last uh, decision. If you are currently neutral at the end of Shin Megami Tensei Four, that last decision provides too many points. You will go. You will end up on the other side. Like you, you can't you can't take a neutral choice to that last decision. So if you reach that last decision neutral aligned it becomes impossible to get the neutral ending which is just asinine um mm -hmm. but yeah uh it's okay to be somewhere in between that and smt4 apocalypse where it's just like the ending choice is laid out to you and you choose whether to take it or not <laughs> so yeah in general like the the reasons that exist in 
SMT3 don't strike me as terribly philosophically like different from Law and Chaos, other than some minor accoutrement, but uh, it would be I, I would be curious to see if they choose to choose choose to say to at least rename them again. <laughs> mm-hmm. I forget what the reasons are called in uh, three. They've got some weird, like, semi-Sanskrit names or something like that. Yeah, there's a lot of Sanskrit running around in uh, Nocturne. Let's see. Uh, no, some of the, these are these are Japanese. Shijima, uh, uh, Musubi, and Yosuka. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about the aspects or something. Yeah, the reasons are like the replacements of law law neutral chaos uh except that like neutral is separate from the all three of these reasons uh shijima is essentially like a, a slightly altered take on law it's about harmony and oneness and such uh musubi is theoretically neutral but it's essentially like complete independence uh, everyone's a completely separate universe. And Yosuga uh, is essentially chaos. It's social Darwinism, that kind of shit. Yeah. And then, of course, there's neutral where you just toss it out and you're just like, nah, whatever. Yeah. Vortex world sucks. Uh, it does. Yeah. It- The demon and true demon endings. I don't even remember how those work because I was not going through the labyrinth of Amala. I did not have time for that. <laughs> Maybe this time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, so, okay, yeah. well. Yep. I really should actually. I really do need to play Nocturne sometime. Uh, well, it'll be on Switch in Japan in, like, October, so... Yeah, but there's all, a lot of other things on the Switch in October soon. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those things. At least it'll be somewhere convenient when you get around to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um... Okay, so let's, uh hit some of the other questions that we still have before we wrap things up. Uh, let's see. These would be from Fireminer on the Discord. Uh, people have already tried to cash in on the COVID-19 pandemic with novels and TV series. Will they actually try to do the same with video games? Video games take too long for that to work. Yeah, uh, that was my first thought with the uh, when that I saw that question is the development cycle takes too long. Yeah, like any company that would be craven enough to attempt that would take four years to make such a game. Mm. Um, uh, they they go on to say, I wonder if a disaster report, but pandemic would be fun to play, or would it be too would it be boring, tedious, and horrific at the same time? Zombies are physical threats, unlike real-life viruses, which makes you feel miserable and then just kill you. Yeah, like, that's the other thing, is Disaster Report is built around, like, very tangible threat, whereas, like, you can't... Like, you can... uh, When avoiding a 
spreading virus, you can only do things to minimize your risk. You can't actually see it and run away. Mm-hmm. Like, when they, when they expanded the disaster report concept, they went into, like, fantasy where it's like, they made uh, Island Shrouded in Shadow where it's like, what if disaster report but Godzilla was there? <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm all for it. They didn't localize it because it was a licensing nightmare that had like 15 different licenses to deal with. But, I mean, I feel like that's where... I feel like that's as much as you can do with the disaster concept. You need to either, like... You need to... You end up making something about, like, surviving something that is very physical and tactile. It's like, the most you could do is, like, here's a giant storm coming or earthquakes and such. Sort of things Disaster Report already sort of covers. Man, I just wanted to talk about uh, Island Shrouded and Shadow again, because that game is crazy. Uh, let's see, it was made by uh, Granzella, which are the earthly remains of the section of IREM that made Disaster Report before buying Disaster Report from IREM and making it again. Uh, but I just want to pull up a list of the things that are in it. Uh, whoops, that was the wrong button. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Ultraman. A bunch of different Ultramans. Ultraman 7, Ultraman Taro, Ultraman Taika, Ultraman Zero, Ultraman Belial. Uh, Belial? Oh, wow. Uh, let's see. Uh, Godzilla, King Ghidorah, Mothra. Uh... Several Evangelions for some reason. Uh, Gamera, again for some reason, and a bunch of the robots from Pat Labor. It's a very strange mix of things. Hmm. I wish that it was in English. I would love to play this. <laughs> this is for me, but it is not in English. It will never be in English. It would represent essentially an impossible collection of licenses to actually get under one roof in America. But hey, Project Cross doesn't happen, you never know. Yeah, but it was also 2017. It's it's too late. But yeah. It was it's it was cool to me. It's cool to me, darn it. Let's see, uh, uh I just I just wanted to shout out that game for being cool. Uh, but yeah, I think that the the kind of company craven enough to make a COVID-19 game would also not have enough time to make one. Yeah. Uh, so, on to the next one. Since you guys have uh, talked a lot about expectation versus reality when it comes to prototype video games, have you read or have plans to read FF15, The Dawn of the Future? It's quite dry, but still has more meat than the game, in my opinion. I'm not sure I believe that, but I'll see. Uh, it also raises some of the rumors from when 15 was versus 13 in the fandom uh, back from the dead, such as the royal Lucis King's uh, rule over the nobility like Mafia Don's or Noctis's father, uh, and some, some other spoilers for FF15. Uh, but, yeah, um, I'm not even sure how much those count as rumors, because they come from interviews. <laughs> like, uh, Nomura was fairly... Nomura was the source of information about FF versus 13. And so, like, you, it becomes clear, like, where the game departed after he left development to direct Kingdom Hearts 3 and FF7 remake. But, 
Like, it's one of those things, like, the the Mafia Don thing was something he brought up in interviews. Like, the, the biggest changes to FF15 we know about are things that are really public. Because a lot of that game's development was not public at all. It's just that it was not in de- it was in development and then it was not in development for so long, but the person who most wanted to make it still kept wanting to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you get to those things where it's like he would get the chance to show like character art. So you get like this one of the characters that there's a bunch of art for that doesn't actually come out uh, that wasn't actually in the final game. She got eliminated in some fashion. Uh, like you get that sort of thing uh, and it's it's fascinating I'd be interested in reading it I haven't gotten around to it I'd want to play FF15 again before I read it so we'll see when I get around to it uh, but yeah uh, it's it's fascinating I, I like FF15 as released a lot uh, but uh, that's a lot because it is a Final Fantasy that after a long time felt like it was just going to be it, it felt like it had a strong creative vision that spawned it which is also the reason that I would be interested in seeing where it departed that initial vision and became something else but yeah so that's my opinion. I doubt uh, Gaijin has any interest in reading it. Uh, Wheels seems the fence-sitter here. Ooh. I'll take that as a no. More like the fence-sleeper. Yes. yes. Uh, I love Final Fantasy XV. Yeah, but this was about reading the book that was oh. talking a bit about some of the stuff that was cut from it. Yeah, I'll probably read it sometime. Sounds fun. Fair enough, fair enough. We'll do a book club someday. Yeah. Uh, is there a motive for Sega to make a new fantasy star that is independent from the current PSO2 setting, or will anything new just be folded into that universe? Remember a lot of people being disappointed when they discovered that Fantasy Star Nova was kind of just an offline PSO2 instead of trying to be an original epic like the first four original games. There's there's kind of two questions that are commingling in that question. Uh, the first is whether they'll ever use a different setting than PSO2, and that, that seems possible once uh, the next iteration of PSO2 that seems like it's just PSO3 in disguise yeah. uh, runs course. But I don't think we'll ever see an offline Fantasy Star game that is like a long, sprawling, single-player RPG ever again. I, <laughs> I, I think that Sega considers that to be their online RPG brand at this point. And I think that, that is what they feel like the the public wants from that brand as much as I want Fantasy Star 5. I don't think there's ever going to be a Fantasy Star 5. Uh, yeah. Or anything that approximates it. Like, you can you get other games that have a single-player campaign, but, like, it's, it's not the same. Fantasy Star Universe is not the same. Uh, like, that sort of thing. Just, yeah. Let's, that let's is, that is a 14-year-old game. Let's not talk about Fantasy Star Universe. Let's not. Let's that not talk sucks. about the story of Ethan Waver. Uh, but yeah, Cosmic Star Heroine is probably the closest you're going to get. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of has that vibe. And hey, if Sega ever lets them, they want to make a fantasy star really bad. 
Listen, I would be into it. I don't think Sega would, but I would. Yeah. Be into it. Uh, hopefully someday. But yeah, I, I I don't think we'll ever get a Sega made or like Sega commissioned Fantasy Star that isn't a uh, PSO style uh, in terms of the, just the general feel that it attempts to go for and it'll probably always be an online game in primary uh, that, that would be my personal read on the situation uh, yeah so that's that's my personal thought process um, and we will hit this next one heard people saying that Sony transferred a lot of the power over their video game business to Sony Interactive Entertainment America, and since uh, Sony has become somewhat apathetic to indie developers instead of courting them like the PSP or PS3 days. So that was that's not really something, that was actually more of a PS4 era thing, very early into that. Like the, I guess the Vita era is the point where they courted indie devs because that was the only people that would make Vita games. But uh, if this was true, and if so, wouldn't uh, wouldn't the Switch be in the best position to take advantage of this? I don't know enough about the inner workings of Sony to say whether it's true. It certainly looks like they don't care as much anymore. <laughs> uh, but I've I've never actually like put in applications or like interviewed people that are in the process of uh, trying to get that. So I couldn't speak to whether they actually don't care or just give off the impression of not caring. <laughs> Uh, I do think that it's fair to say that uh, in terms of how things are going, the Switch is already taking advantage of that. Like, Nintendo makes... Nintendo puts out, like, video presentations that draw press attention that just show indie games. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of more than any company does at that. Like... Sony and Microsoft, they if they're doing a different kind of presentation, they might use indie games to fill it out, or they might do sizzle reels that have indie games in them, but they won't put out presentations that are just indie games. And I think that kind of speaks to how each company is sort of interacting with the indie market. Uh, speaking of... Uh, Still been playing Raji. That's still a good game. That's yeah, Raji rules. Something no one else is ever going to give space to. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you like Prince of Persia. I do. Uh, yeah. No. It. Uh, I probably may not have. Well, maybe I would have heard of about it eventually, but without that direct, I probably it would certainly not have seen went it for from off my radar to oh, I need to pick this up. Yeah. Or like the. That other thing they showed at the Indie World Showcase, as though there were only one of the things. One of the things that I hadn't heard of that I suddenly became very excited for was that game where you are cheating at cards to make your way in oh, yeah. uh, 18th century uh, French high society. And it's like, that sounds fascinating. I'm all in. <laughs> like... They give the the presentations. I saw some people commenting on it, and they were. I think it was. Uh, I don't want to misquote whoever I saw commenting on it, but it was basically them talking about how the 
presentations themselves were really slick because basically what they're doing is they give you a couple minutes of the like creative people behind the game talking about what the game is and why it's important to them. And then they give you like that gives them just enough time to explain like why is this game appealing? What is this who is this game for? And then they give you like a well cut trailer to show you like oh, and this is what it looks like in action. And I think that's really nice, but a lot of indie games never get that chance. And so I think that, like, the industry would probably be a lot healthier if more companies were doing these kind of indie world showcases, but it's not happening, really. Uh, did you ever get around to watching that indie world showcase, uh, Gaijin? Nope. That's good. There's some neat games in it. There was a there was a, oh, this is something that amused me. Uh, so one of the games that appeared in the Nintendo Partner Direct Mini that I didn't bring up because it wasn't in the English version, but was held off as like the last thing they showed in Japan was a new Derby Stallion game. Which was Seriously? A very, like, yeah, baby, Derby Stallion. What the heck is Derby Stallion? Very specific. Uh, like that could get that could get notice in a Japanese uh, direct and would never ever be localized at any point. Uh, I, I just wanted to bring that up because I found it very amusing. You could tell how much that uh, this does remind me. You could tell how much that the PS2 was the era of. Uh, video game you can just bring over anything who cares because multiple Japanese horse racing simulators would come over every year <laughs> yep. bring back G1 Jockey yeah uh, I guess that died out on the PS3 in Japan but yeah um yeah, so just one of those signs of the times. Uh, let's. See. Uh, I think we can probably get through the last couple of these if we rapid fire them before Wheels just falls asleep at Metal Max. Um, yes, yes, I am. Uh, let's see, this is one that Gaijin might have more insight into. At what age do Japanese people retire? Uh, for good? Yeah, typically, I, I think the question is like for good in this case. <laughs> well, technically around age 65, however, quite often you'll have to retire a, an elder gentleman two or three times before it actually takes. <laughs> eventually, like you come back because what else do I do with my time? And then eventually it's just like, okay, I guess I'm done. <laughs> Especially for the entire boomer generation over here. It takes Fair. a few times to get them, get them ready to actually commit to retiring, and for their wives to be ready to have them around the house that often. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the the question comes in the context of does the same apply to game executives? I would assume as much, but I mean, a lot of them are just reaching the age where they would be. Uh, I asked because of Toshihiro Kondo of uh, Falcom. Feels to me like the trail series is going to continue for another 20 years, maybe, given that we have only explored half of the continent, and recent interviews seem to imply this. 
Uh, Kondo himself if not the is is himself if not the writer then a major push behind these games script and is already 45. Yeah, I mean he's probably got about 20 years left in him at this rate, so. Uh, and just as a random random pun, Mata Kondo could be Kondo again, or it could be see you next time. <laughs> oh, I think I see how that works. Yeah. Uh, and you'll be see. seeing him again and again and again. He will keep coming back. But let's see. Uh, but yeah, uh, so, you know, fairly analogous to uh, what traditional quote-unquote retirement age would be in the West, although uh, those numbers keep creeping up here, so who knows. Um, how much hope is there for a re-release of the last story of long given up on waiting for a sequel? Uh, who even owns that is the real question. Like, Mistwalker is not technically defunct at this stage. Uh, Wheels, tell me, regale me of your last story opinions. It's oh, pretty okay. Uh, it seems to have been owned by... It seems to have been published by Nintendo in Japan. Uh, there's like a 50-50 shot of them owning the IP or Mistwalker owning it. Uh, or quite possibly just uh, someone... Some co-ownership thing like with Wonder Wonderful 101. Uh, my guess would be uh, that it's probably not going to happen unless someone in the company feels super strongly about it. And I don't get the sense that Hironobu Sakaguchi feels super strongly about it. He basically is Mist Walker. Mm-hmm. Which is a bit of a shame, but that's that's kind of the thing. Is that, like, a lot of these kinds of re-releases happen because someone feels strongly about either the game itself or its potential in the market. Mm-hmm. So, in this case, it's, uh, I don't think that anyone involved feels strongly enough about the last story to get it to come back. Mm. <laughs> Sad to say. Yeah, it would be nice to have that on Switch to go along with the re-release of uh, Xenoblade, but I mean, Mistwalker as a developer is not defunct, but it doesn't really do much anymore. Uh, like... They haven't released a product since Terra Battle 2, which was a mobile game that essentially immediately went to hell. Um, like, Terra Battle is one of those. Terra Battle 1 did pretty well, but the thing that's surreal to me Terra Battle 2 came out while Terra Battle 1 still existed, and Terra Battle 2 bombed. So Terra <laughs> Battle 2 was shut down, but Terra Battle 1 still exists. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Terra Battle 1 finally stopped in June of this year. But yeah, like, its successor came out three years ago, was summarily cancelled, and then it finally stopped this year. <laughs> uh, hmm. Let's see. And there was apparently some third thing called Terra Wars. I'm not sure what that is. But yeah, like, that's, that's kind of <laughs> it for them. He just sort of makes iOS games now, and I... I don't see there being enough impetus from either him or Nintendo to get Last Story to come back. Let's see. Uh, And so we get to this last question for this week, I think, because Wheels is clearly about to fall 
fall off his chair. Um, no. Probably. But yeah, so Fire Miner, the rest of your questions will be saved for next week. Uh, but on this one, I haven't played Blood Ga- Bloodstained, so can you guys tell me how good it is at art direction and atmosphere and its atmosphere? I have been singing my time into Symphony of the Night, and it still surprises me on how artful the use of ambient sounds, lighting, etc. is. Much like the DS Castlevanias, they didn't do very, they didn't do as well at building the atmosphere. Uh, that's that's a lot because Symphony of the Night. Let's go into a deep dive on Symphony of the Night history, but as much as I can squeeze into two minutes. Uh, <laughs> Castlevania Symphony. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. Uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night started its life as a ill-fated 32X project before moving to like a 3DO very briefly and ultimately finding home on the PS1. During that period, it was essentially in development more or less continuously for about three years, and that meant that it had a lot of time where it was being developed, where its artists just had time to do stuff. And that meant that they just had a lot of art assets that they could arrange in an interesting fashion to create, like, atmosphere and a sense of place. All of the GBA and DS Castlevanias are built from reconstituted assets with very limited art budgets for new assets. Essentially, you mostly got new new characters, bosses, and, like, limited tile sets for new areas. And that kind of limits how much space they design space they had for building atmosphere. So... The reason that Symphony of the Night has so much atmosphere is just a matter of budget. I don't think Bloodstained's art is as pretty as Symphony of the Night, but that's more because of like two and a half, the limitations of two and a half D and low budget is different from the limitations of two D at its height and low budget. Although Symphony of the Night for its time was not a terribly low budget game. But that being said, like I think that it has a lot more bespoke art assets by virtue of necessity and in terms of how long it took to make. Uh, and so I think that you'll be... It, it won't match Symphony of the Night in terms of like raw artistry, but I don't think you'll be disappointed in how it looks as long as you can get over like the limits of producing a relatively low-budget 3 uh, game in 20 it was released in like 2018 2019 time is a flat circle so yeah uh wheels has moved on to confusedly wandering in a circle in what i believe is final fantasy crystal chronicles ring of fate close (laughs) so you're confusedly walking in a hexagon no you're close on the game you have the wrong game okay oh crystal chronicles something of time yes I Something never played either of them. They both look kind of dull. Um, They're 3D DS games. I wasn't talking about the graphics. Yeah, well, um, I think that describes them pretty well. <laughs> there are good 3D DS games. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's... Saga 2, Saga 3, yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah. Um... So yeah, that would be that would be my kind of statement about the whole thing is that like the spirit was obviously willing for the DS and GBA Castlevanias, but the budget was weak. Um, and Bloodstained is not high budget, but it has no uh, prior art assets that it can lean on, 
and it generally is higher budget and has more time and development than the DS Castlevanias, and that's reflected in how the castle is laid out and the uniqueness of art direction that shows up in it. So, I don't think you'll be disappointed if you give it uh, a shot. <laughs> the the Bloodstains Castle is also the biggest hodgepodge of everything you will ever see, and that's <laughs> but very also <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's lampshaded in the dialogue where the heroine even complains that the castle's layout makes absolutely no sense and somebody else says, well, it came straight out of hell. What did you expect? <laughs> Pretty much. It also is gigantic. Like, mm -hmm. prior Castlevania games would like to, like, I say prior Castlevania games as though it's officially a Castlevania game. But you know what? Who cares? Prior mm -hmm. Castlevania games liked to mess around with how much, uh, how much percentage the map was giving you. And I was surprised to find, like, you know, like the the Symphony of the Night starts the trend with, like, oh, 200%, because you have to explore the castle upside down, and each of the percentage points is counted twice. But, like, they would like to mess with the percentages because of, like, that kind of thing. The trick for Bloodstain for me is that there is no messing with the percentages. The castle is just gigantic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, recommended. Fun. Uh, like, it has one of the best castle layouts as a whole anyway, so... Yeah. Highly recommended. Good game. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that ends the amount of questions we can resolve before Wheels turns back into a tire. Um, so... Are you Not suggesting I'm like some weird Cinderella thing where... Yes. <laughs> That was exactly what I, I was can going answer for. questions, and then at midnight I turn back into a tire. Uh, I was thinking more at three to four a.m., but yeah. yes. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so that leaves us to our end blurb, and that means that uh, someone has some plugs to make. <laughs> hmm? oh, hello. <laughs> Sure, okay, sure, sure. Okay, uh, <laughs> Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, Michael Yaramizu, available all currently nine episodes on Kindle Unlimited. Mm -hmm. So, just go, read, have fun, enjoy, still writing more. Um, yeah. Yep, okay. so that's available. Uh, and me and Wheels are troglodytes who have no mon ongoing creative endeavors and therefore have nothing to plug. Um... But it's fine. It's fine. Uh, we can plug the show that you are now listening to. You should listen to our show. That, that seems really <laughs> like you are closing the door after the cow is already out of the barn. Um, <laughs> if they got here, they already either have decided to never listen again or have gotten some form of permanent brain damage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know... Uh, if you if you are one of those those lucky few, uh, questions can go in the podcast section of the Discord, or they can go in the comments section. We read from both this time. Uh, we're always happy to hear. Like, even if a question's something that's been asked before, we have routinely shown the capacity to just blather on about something completely barely related coherently for about fifteen minutes. So. Especially if it involves saga. Oh boy! Oh, we don't need an excuse to talk about saga, as we yeah. demonstrated quite aptly. No, you, um, could, you could just say the word saga, 
And someone's know. gonna just put Saga with a question mark after awesome. it. Do it. Do I'm it. hoping for do it. Uh, do it. You do it. Uh, yeah, uh, we have a question actually sent to me on Skype recently that I need to remember to ask next week. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so otherwise, see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya. Yeah.